Welcome everyone to Magical Mystical Journeys. This is Andrea St. Amand and I'm your resident evidential psychic medium. And we of course have Katie and Amy here with us today. Hey everyone, I'm Katie. I'm your resident New Testament scholar and clergy and metaphysical Christian intuitive guide for, for this podcast. And I'm Amy Renee. I'm a, what am I? <laughs> so I'm a shamanic practitioner and also work with a holistic wellness. Well, welcome everybody back. In our last episode, let's just hop right in. In our last episode, we took on Mary Magdalene and, uh, yeah. Do you guys let's let's like look backwards before we work forwards into this week's magical journey. What after our last conversation, ladies, did you have any further experiences uh, that came up for you with Mary Magdalene? I did. I completely did. So it's interesting because so the last uh, podcast that we did. I really wanted to deliver something that was just amazing and magical, you know, that same experience that I had with both Metatron and Sandalphon. And that message was like, let go, no expectations, let go. <laughs> so that's what showed up last time for me. Well, immediately afterwards is when like all the magic, all the synchronicities, everything started coming up for me. So I had reached out um, during the Mary Magdalene one to Katie about, uh, I believe, the rays and the chakra, like there's seven rays that had shown up for me and I didn't know much about them. And then this time it was like one thing after another with the chakras showing up and the rays with it. So very strong messages from Mary Magdalene in relation with that and Mother Mary. Amy, when you say raised, are you meaning like a ray of light or a ray of color or what's Yeah, okay. yeah, ray, colored light, both, okay. yes. How mm -hmm. wonderful. So you were just like a walking rainbow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, let's just say, um, yeah, I learned that some of the guides that we are working with or speaking about, there are certain rays of light that they are connected with. So, um, and I get to share a little bit about that today. That's exciting. And that makes sense to me because energy, right? All energy yeah, is vibrating at a certain frequency. So yeah, we should, we could very easily um, associate a certain color with a certain being or a certain pitch sound. And it could be different for all of us. For me, I would say Mary Magdalene showed up. I would say it was a very creative week for me. And so I think I think we talked about last week, the like creativity associated with Mary Magdalene. It's been a very creative week for me. And right before this um, recording, I was on a call for a clergy in Northern California, uh, where I am within my denomination. And we were talking about how much we all love science. <laughs> and like, we're, we're not a Christian group that believes science is, is worthless at all. And someone said, God is revealed through science. And I felt this connection with Mary Magdalene, I think in the sense that we talked about her last week as not being able to be contained. And she's not contained or confined to only scripture or only these stories or only Christians or only anyone. And the sense that like God, neither can we contain God, can we contain God or the spirit or source or whatever it is that we call that. And um, so I just felt this kind of synchronicity with that and that we can have both and not either or. Mm. Yes. And no. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, I didn't have anything specific other than just really enjoyed what listening to your all's messages uh, through the week. Um, but I could feel her presence. And I would like to say to everybody with every, you know, just to repeat to our listeners that with each um, being that we're introducing, it's just like developing a relationship with another human being in real life. Relationships take time. I mean, sometimes it's love at first sight. And sometimes there's no resonance at all until several years down the road and all of a sudden something hits you. And sometimes, in fact, and this is what we're going to go into a little bit today, there's outright dissonance. Yeah. Sometimes uh, we'll be outright like, I don't want any part of that. That's not, that's not my guy. It's that's not my usually girl. the ones that we need the most. I know, like. right? <laughs> right. Yeah. We're protesting for a reason. That's right. Absolutely. Maybe we're not ready for that aspect of our own existence to be brought to light uh, yet. So I do think some of these guides come in um, to reintroduce us to a piece of ourselves that maybe maybe we're not ready to look at or 
Damn it, Andrea. Now I'm looking at all the places that I was resistant this week. Ah! Obviously, I need to go explore those. So. All in good time. Thank They're you, gonna... I think, for that. Don't, <laughs> don't worry. They're not going anywhere. Right? They're going to still be true. there. <laughs> all right. Well, this is actually where we just remind everybody that you all are welcome to reach out to us, send us an email, send us, uh, find us on our Facebook page, which is Magical Mystical Journeys. Leave a post, leave a comment. You can email us magical mystical journeys at gmail.com um, and we can you can share your experiences your questions and we'll share your experiences with other listeners which will be really really exciting so this week we are moving from mary magdalene to mother mary a very very different energy in my experience so uh let's take a brief moment take a few breaths amy would you like to do an an invocation. Yes, please. And thank you. So I just welcome us just to shut our eyes for a moment and just connect with our breath and our heart. As we welcome in Mother Mary to be present with us, to work with us for the highest good of all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you bring. May the most divine messages be received and shared to us and through us today. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, Mother Mary is another another big one. And I think she's one that it might actually sound disrespectful to say this. I feel disrespectful to her saying this, but she's one who triggers people. And yeah. we're going to really talk about that and acknowledge what her being can bring up in people that people might not resonate with her. And then there are other people who resonate with her you know, maybe even more so than Jesus, you know, um, yep, I have, I ended up having a firsthand experience with her, which I'll share in just a few minutes. And, and maybe it's what you all could uh, expect when we're opening up to her energy. But I will just say, I never felt connected to her. Of course, that we have the same with my, our other archangels too. I never, I thought she was a Catholic relic. Like I just didn't connect with her at all. So color me shocked when she showed up in my life. <laughs> Amy or Katie, would you like to share your experience of like what she feels like to you or what people might expect from your point of view? So for me, it's interesting because I didn't ever feel like Mother Mary was really a part of my life. And as we felt into, you know, who's this next guy that we're going to be sharing about um, in that very moment, she's like, yes, I've been there the whole time through your motherhood. So me as a mother, and then of course, during the week, other pieces have shown up in my life in connection with her. So she is there to assist us with healing. So maybe not all of us have had a, um, a wonderful relationship with a mother in our life or had that mother in our life. And so she's there. I feel like she has helped me to embody the aspect of who I am to show up in a very loving and nurturing way to not only myself, but to others. Yeah. For me, for how she feels, I grew up going, I was a, one of the only Protestant kids in this Catholic school that <laughs> I went to very tiny Catholic school, really dedicated to making an affordable private Catholic education, especially for like working class Catholic families. And so I grew up with Mary as, I mean, it was, my school was called Holy Rosary. <laughs> so Mary was like everywhere. I mean, you know, so depictions of her, we, we prayed the rosary together. And so I grew up with that just being very common, completely normal. Um, my Protestant church that I went to on Sundays didn't, you know, obviously wasn't doing that. Um, I don't think they cared. It wasn't that kind of Protestant church that was like, no, 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 that's evil. You can't do that. But they were like, what? Why? Are you? Okay, whatever. You know, <laughs> no, we're not going to do that on a Sunday morning. And so I grew up with like stories about visions of Mary, people's experiences with Mary being just common. I mean, that was like, we talked about that in our, in our religion class. So for me, very com comfortable, very comforting. I don't have, um, I don't have this like, problem with does she belong in the Christian faith or does she belong in sort of the spiritual pantheon, you know, so to speak. Uh, that's all super comfortable for me. I think my biggest experience as an adult was in 2010, I was in Turkey 
and uh, we were in Ephesus, and I was with a group of Protestant disciples, disciples of Christ women. And while we were there, we were taken to Mary's house. And I think I saw this on their itinerary and didn't even pay much attention to it. And so we're going, there's this legend that Mary went to Ephesus after the death of Jesus with the disciple John, and that she settled there. And there's this amazing um, story about a German nun, Sister um, Emmerich, in the 1700s who had vision. she was bedridden, and she had visions of Mary's life in Ephesus. And she wrote them all down. A hundred years later, um, I, think, I think they were Jesuits, kind of went adventure seeking, trying to find this, um, something that matched her visions. And they did. They found like a foundation of a house. We've carbon dated it. And well, we, I didn't, but it's, uh, it dates to the foundations of the house date to the first century. Wow. So for Protestant women like me, we're all like, yeah, no, no, that's important. But as we're going up the hill to this house, I just, it's like on, on a mountain too. It's very secluded. It's now run by the Franciscans. So we're going up and I'm like, this is like 12, 15 women. We're, we're there to hear the stories of contemporary women in Turkey, right? We're not really there to see Mary's house. But I just felt this stick, stick to yourself, like the sense I really should stick to myself. So I did. And I kind of secluded myself from the other women just so I could have my own experience without having to converse about it. And so now on the foundations of this house is a, um, is a chapel. And I walk in and it's on the left-hand side are Muslims and on the right-hand side are Christians. And it's one of the few places in the world where Christians and Muslims um, offer devotion side by side in the same space. And so there's like a prayer wall for Muslims and a prayer wall for Christians throughout the whole shrine that's up here. I just very much felt the presence uh, of Mother Mary. And I was leading the, I was signed up to lead the devotion that night. So we all sang uh, the Beatles song together <laughs> for fun. And just for me, a very warm, comforting presence it's I don't associate it with being maternal necessarily but just a very warm enveloping um no holds bar uh, larger than life like all of these presences are but um radically unconditional love presence for me so if you're experiencing any of those symptoms you might be experiencing mother Mary that is amazing. That is so beautiful. It's interesting. We're all actually, this is one of the beings we're all having the very similar experiences. Yeah. You know, with her, to me, it was also profoundly healing. And the word that keeps coming up with her is non judgmental. Mm. And so, how amazing that there's this chapel where there's Muslims and Christians without judgment. Yeah. And, and even this, like, you all have done really terrible things to each other over, over the millennia. And like, but like, this is a place for reconciliation. It's a place for healing. Right. For and she me, was Jewish. So I'm going to bring in Jewish uh, brothers and sisters in there too. Yeah. Mary was Jewish. So I think we have all of our Abrahamic religions covered, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> covered here. So <laughs> you know, I actually, one of the questions I want to ask you later on, do you think she became a Christian? <laughs> <laughs> How, it would be so weird to worship your own kids. So. <laughs> That's, that's great. Well, with my experience with her, I was um, in a Reiki level one class, which that means it's a beginner class. And at some point at the end of the weekend of the workshops, usually a weekend or two or three days, at the end, you're in a meditation and your Reiki teacher is um, doing what they call an attunement, but what they're doing is energy work on you. And I was... Uh, not really expecting to do anything but sit in a chair and meditate for a few minutes um, with a crystal that got put in my hand. And I felt this overwhelming presence come in through my right and just envelop me. And it was exactly what you all described. It was unconditional. It was the depth of the unconditional love and strength. I felt this tremendous strength just came over me. And I heard one word, Mary. It was so simple, and I've started arguing in my head. <laughs> I'm like, Mary who? <laughs> and I was like, Mary, Mary? Like the real Mary? Like, come on, are you serious? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and I'm kind of annoyed that my meditative state is getting disrupted. <laughs> and as I'm feeling all this wonderful feeling, I'm like, oh, maybe the feeling is Mary. But I literally said, like, the real Mary? And... And at one point I said, Magdalene? No, Mary. It was just very firm. And 
uh, I finally accepted like, oh my gosh, this is what Mary feels like. And then once I stopped arguing and allowed that energy to really wash fully over me, the message I was given where was, was tremendous healing and to use that energy, that healing energy to use that when I'm in a healing session or in any sort of reading. Mm. And if I feel overwhelmed or if I start feeling like this task, this client, this, whatever I'm doing right now is too much for me. It's too hard for me. It's too much for me. She told me to tell myself, step aside. She's got this and literally turn it over to mother Mary and let her work through me however that looks like and it's interesting um because when i do do healing i I use that energy a lot let that like it's not andrea i'm gonna let her come in and move through me um that tremendous amount of unconditional non-judgmental source love and now in readings when i feel that energy coming in i know that i'm talking to somebody who's either had to undergo a lot of healing, like maybe they're suffering from cancer, maybe they're suffering from some long illness, or they're in a caregiving role. And that energy is coming in to support them and acknowledge you're caring for an ailing parent or an ailing sibling or an ailing child, and you're not alone. So it's been tremendous, tremendous presence to start getting acquainted with. Um, How long ago was that, Andrea? A couple of years ago, not long ago, a couple of years ago. It might have been one year ago, actually. Okay, <laughs> that okay. I think it might have only been one year ago. It's a pretty, pretty recent. Pretty your, recent. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. One other just little really fun thing. So for, for listeners, synchronicities come in all shapes and sizes. Um, this week, somehow, we um, I started watching the sitcom Mom, which has been on for like seven or eight years. And I think I must be one of the few people on, on Earth who doesn't like love Alice and Janney. And so I resisted watching the show because like, she's just, it's just not my favorite. And uh, it was, oh my gosh, it's so hysterical. I'm so glad I started watching it. And so like uh, my spouse and I both started watching mom this week in syndication. So that mom energy, that kind of fun mom energy. And one thing I love about her character, the Alice and Janney character in that is like, she's so imperfect. Like she's such a screw. She, she has like screwed her life up and her kid's life up so much, but they're all ma- ma- coming to reconciliation in a funny way. So. Oh, that's great. I have a quick fun question for you too. What, um, I think we already know what Katie's answer is given what she's wearing, <laughs> but Amy, what color do you, or do you associate a color with Mary, with mother Mary? And, and also along with that, do you all call her just internally in your own dialogue, Mary or mother Mary? Ooh. That's a good question. Uh, so for me, what came through this morning was white, like this purity aspect. Um, and so I am actually wearing white today to, really? to honor that. And also, it feels good to share that she is also connected with the pink ray and I believe the green ray as well. So those two come up. You know, I've never really addressed her. Like this is really the first time I've really connected in any way with her. And Mother Mary does feel good because there's also like a crone aspect that has shown up for me this week. Not in a, like not crone in a bad way, but like in this like just this wisdom, this knowledge, this embodiment of we can connect with, you know, whether it be the you want to call her Virgin Mary, Mother Mary and invite that wisdom to come through in each moment. Cool. Uh, so I'm wearing blue. Uh, so just a traditional color associ- associated with Mother Mary. I don't have, I do associate her with that, but not super strongly. Yeah, I, just I associate her with, with blue too. Blue yeah. As well. That's the um, common like depiction throughout. You know, it's a cultural reference probably yeah. more yeah. so than anything. Divine Feminine. Um, There is uh, a picture, The Last Supper. And I believe that back then the women would actually wear blue and the men would wear red. For some reason, that is is in my thoughts right now. I'll have to consult my ancient sources now. I'm curious. But blue was was hard to, it's not an easy dye. No. You know, in the ancient world, like blues and purples are, uh, would have been very expensive too. So that might be one reason we associate her with those colors, like as a 
adorn her Royal. and kind of pricey. Adorn- yeah, right. Later, later in her, yeah. yes, in, but, in later culture. I'll, but uh, one thing, I'll oh, sorry, ask, go ahead. oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask some colleagues and see if I, if they know, but uh, what, or whether I call her Mother Mary, in my head, I never do. It's just Mary. But in speaking to others, I'll say Mother Mary to distinguish her from Mary Magdalene. Mm. Yeah. I think I feel the same way. It's Mary. And that's how she introduced herself to me. Mary, you know, Mary, just very simple. But when I'm speaking, I'm doing that um, as well. So one thing I just want to raise very quickly, because we are going to do a deeper dive into this a little bit later, is both of us or all of us have had positive experiences with her, even though we might not have felt connected with her before we set an intent or before she came in and knocked our socks off. (laughs) Um, But some people, you know, there's not that resonance. It's a dissonance with her. And it might be the concept of the Virgin Mary, which we'll talk about in a little bit, or that familial language of mother, father. Maybe they don't feel connected with her as a mother, or maybe their own relationships with their mothers, their own mothers, they actually don't have a connection with the mother part at all. In fact, they don't want to. Maybe that's not a good, uh, a positive uh, energy. So I just, and the other thing too, which is, I think is interesting. Seems like she gets written off first and foremost um, because people think she's Catholic, and they th- they literally think she's Catholic. Like the Catholics right. have us- usurped her, and if you're Protestant, Protestant, or if you're spiritual, or if you're Buddhist or Tao, whatever you are, you can't have her because the Catholics have her. So I literally I will get people sometimes saying, "Oh well, I'm not Catholic." Like, well, right. <laughs> the Catholics don't own her. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's, <laughs> and, and, and for the most part, don't claim to, right? Like the, no, the Catholic church will not. have its own beliefs about her, but you can right. subscribe or not subscribe. Well, I think this, if you're ready, Katie, would be a great time for you to give us the background skinny in scripture and uh, on Mary. Cool. All right. So Mary, this is a huge topic, obviously. So I'm going to stick pretty closely to ancient text. Um, what happens in the field, there's a whole like field of study called Mariology that we could get into, like the, the role of Mary throughout Christianity over the millennia. And that's just not my expertise at all. So um, I'm going to stick to kind of the, the um, what I do know. And then I just think it'd be fun to talk about her energy throughout the millennia, because that's, that's just pretty obvious, you know, out there in the world. So Mary appears in scripture really uh, consistently across the gospels, but not as a huge major character, except for the birth of Jesus, which is the story we all know, of course. So the birth of Jesus is described only in two out of our four gospels. It's only in the gospel of Matthew and in the gospel of Luke. Mary's story is really told in the gospel of Luke. Matthew's, uh, the gospel of Matthew really tells Joseph's story. So Mary obviously appears, but it's really focused on Joseph. So it's really, it's the gospel of Luke the, is, that is the classic um, scene that inspires Christmas pageants and children in bathrobes uh, every single year, right? And so that's where we get really a full like two chapters almost of Mary and the angel Gabriel coming to her and making this pronunciation. We call it the Annunciation um, that she is to have um, pride, that she's to have this child. I think one really interesting question that might be kind of fun to talk about. There's a, a debate whether this Annunciation is a request or a demand. I absolutely think it's a request. Absolutely 100%. Like Mary has a choice. Like if she was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing all that. <laughs> right? That she gets, this is not a, de- I, I do not think that this is a demand by the angel Gabriel. And so Mary, um, when she's in the gospel of Luke, she sings this beautiful song um, when she um, says yes to this news. And it's called the Magnificat, but it talks about justice. And she talks about um, how those who are high will be brought low and the, um, the, the poor will be lifted up and like justice will reign on earth. And so she really, to me, is ushering in this reign of justice that we see in the life and ministry of Jesus. It's in the Gospel of Luke that we have this um, really beautiful story of Jesus being 12 and um, they can't find him. And he's at the temple and he finds some elders to teach. But you kind of get the feeling that Mary and Joseph are a little exasperated with him because they're like, where were you? We've been looking for you forever. So I love this depiction of her as a kind of concerned but frustrated mother who just wants to get home. <laughs> and can't find Jesus. Um, the other part that where Mary 
um, appears in the gospels. There's, there's two other kind of stories I think of, of note. One is in all four gospels, all four, and this is highly unusual that we have the same story that appears in all four. We see that Mary shows up with Jesus brothers. So this is a question in and of itself, because in some traditions, Mary has to be a virgin for forever. And there's all these creative ways to see, well, who are the, are these Jesus actual brothers? And the way around this is that the brothers are the previous children of Joseph before he was married to Mary. I think this is a long way around the well. They just seem like they're Jesus brothers to me. Uh, that's how they're introduced. But they come and they're looking for Jesus. Um, oh, they find Jesus uh, out doing his work and his ministry. And they'll, they're kind of trying to put him away because he's being so radical. So they're trying to kind of find him. And the, um, the disciples will say something along the lines of, you know, your brother and your brother and your sister, your, your mother and your brothers are here. And there's a little bit of like, they're there to kind of shush you <laughs> a little bit. That's kind of the feeling in a lot of the, the versions of the story. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says pretty consistently something like this who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he points to the disciples into the crowd around him. And he says, here is my mother and here are my brothers. So we see this redefinition of what is family, according to Jesus and the early church. And so, you know, we know in the early church that people were giving up their, their close kinship ties in order to be Jesus followers. And they become each other's mother and brother and sisters. And Mary doesn't seem to protest this. This seems... Um, I'm sure she was like a little taken aback by it when this happens in the story. But I just love this new definition of what is family. It's not what we think it is. And I just, for me, Mary, the the energy of Mary now really embodies that. Mm -hmm. And then Mary is, of course, at the um, one of the women at the cross in the Gospel of John. And this is, I think, one of the sweetest stories about her. It's in the Gospel of John that Jesus from the cross looks at Mary and the Apostle John And he says, woman, this is now your son. And to John, this is now your mother. And it's from this um, kind of exchange, this new family, that family doesn't look like what we think it's going to look like. It's from this that the story emerges in later centuries that Mary goes to Ephesus because the legend is that the apostle John goes to Ephesus to bring the good news there and that Mary goes with him because she's now his mother. Uh, She's kind of this adoptive mother of him from the Gospel of John. But we have a lot of other stories about Mary outside of the uh, Bible. She appears one other time in the book of Acts, um, in just uh, Acts one, chapter one, verse 14. It just mentions her being together with the other disciples in the upper room when they're all trying to figure out what in the world has happened and what are we gonna do next after the resurrection of Jesus. But we get a lot of other stories about her in early Christianity and um, early Christians were anxious to know more about her. So all of these stories emerge about her parents and about sort of miracles around her. And um, we get um, other stories about her like after, you know, throughout her life that are not contained in scripture. And so she really takes on a life of her own in the centuries after, um, in the early centuries of the church. And then, you know, throughout now, I mean, she's been appearing in visitations like Medjugorje and Fatima and Lourdes and Knock. I mean, all these places have uh, visions of Mary. And what I find just really compelling about them um, is that usually the person having the vision is very poor, very um, uh, an underserved person in their culture and that they are speaking the good news. And Mary herself was probably a very poor young Galilean girl. So we see that everyone has a voice really coming through with the stories of Mary in past and present, I think. Amy, you've like completely disappeared and it's oh, a little spooky. Interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think you were like fading <laughs> into the light. There. I know. It was like this gray thing came over half of your face. Wow. And I was like, I think we're getting a visit right now. I know, right? <laughs> I think we're having a visitation, but I don't know if it's Mary. <laughs> that oh was my funny. Gosh. I think we should not edit this out. We should keep this in for, so. for everyone because that was just great because we we're, we're do this on Zoom so we have audio and video. So Amy kind of faded into the northern lights and then reemerged <laughs> like a like a vision. That was crazy. That was it was <laughs> that's funny. Uh, well, actually, with that little break, I have a long list of questions, and I'm sure Amy does as well, and comments and curiosities. And before we jump into those, Katie. 
what if our listeners have deeper, like personal questions that they would like to talk you through or work or work through with you? Um, would you like to just take a moment to tell people how you work with people in need? Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. My so my work is really primarily with Christians who want to incorporate metaphysical practices into their daily faith journey. And so, so many people I work with are coming from backgrounds of a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. Um, people listening to this episode might think, wait, I'm like, I didn't grow up with Mary and I was told that I can't talk to Mary, that that's like worshiping her. And then I, I'm, I'm putting aside Jesus, right? So I help people really come to peace with all of that so that they can really dig into these messages and live their absolute best life, find their purpose and do that as a Jesus follower. And so that's, that's kind of my crowd. So I would love to invite listeners, if this feels like you, if you have other questions about this or want some more experiences, I've provided a handout for you. So something that you can download, a PDF you can download about your metaphysical gifts, about um, what it's like to be a Jesus follower and start to live into those metaphysical gifts, really deal with that energy of shame and fear because you don't need it anymore. It's not serving you. So you can find this by going to my website and it's Katie Valentine. Make sure you spell Katie right. K-A-T-Y. K-A-T-Y. My last name is Valentine, just like the holiday, like happy Valentine's Day. KatieValentine.com. You can do the little, I never know if it's a backslash or a forward slash, but one of those slashes, podcast. So Katie Valentine slash podcast, and you'll be able to find that handout and just connect with me. I would love to hear your story. And if you're, yeah, if you're someone who's been like struggling with how do I, how do I remain faithful, but also engage in all these practices, that's what I do. Awesome. Well, before I dive into my questions, Amy, did you have any questions on anything that Katie raised? More of like a comment that comes up for me is like, I really resonate like the sisters and brothers aspect. Like I see that as like our soul family. So these people that come into our lives that may not be blood related, but they are like a sister that we never had, you know, a sister or brother or even mother, you know, I, there's many times I've had a friend's mom be like, like a mother to me. And so that, that just really spoke to me in that part. So thank you, Katie. Oh yeah. Oh, I love that. And yeah, I, I love the, this revolutionary aspect of Christianity that gets left behind. I think a lot, like um, sometimes being a faithful follower, whatever that is for, for anyone means leaving people behind. And sometimes it means mm. leaving family behind, being faithful to your calling. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, does is... mean leaving family behind. And that's uh, not easy, but we see that example mm. in the New Testament and that we do, we are given new family. What that uh, raises to me um, is it's, it's interesting like that we, we associate Mary and her role as mother but do we know, you gave some examples, do we know what type of mother she was? You know, was she supportive of Christ? Sounds like she was, but she also was coming with the brothers to right. maybe shush him. <laughs> right. Do we know what kind of wife she was? Do we know what kind of mother she was to the other? Do we, do we know more about her as a person or are they kind of legends that have sprung no, up? They're really, yeah, they're really all these apocryphal legends that people um, came up with afterwards. So I think, I mean, for me, the way we know about her is through um, experience. And so for even within the Christian tradition, experience is really important. We, we can't substitute uh, knowledge for experience. And so people have been having these experiences of Mary for millennia, you know, including us. And she's you know, certainly so been... Her. Uh, right. She's certainly been, at least in later times, it seems like she was very supportive of Jesus. I mean, because she's seen as his mother, right? I right. never think that she was not supportive of his work. Right. And it's just, I'm, I'm just very interested. I wish we could dial back time and look to see, like, did she travel with him? Did they talk, you know, about what he was doing? She probably would have had motherly concern for his safety and right. welfare, which is reimagining this, but we don't know, do we, Katie? No, I mean, yeah, we really don't. The, I think we see, well, let me back up even a, another second or two. The, these gospels that are written are written far after the life of Jesus. I mean, they're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years 
yeah, uh, maybe after the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus. And so these are not firsthand accounts. So we don't have any firsthand stuff, you know, from Mary. So this is all people's interpretations of her and her life. So I'm trying to imagine what it would be like if someone was trying to describe um, if I'm a, you know, a good or a bad spouse, 70 years from now, right? When I'm, when I'm probably long gone, um, definitely long gone by then, you know, how much could they know about me? And how are they going to know that? They can see a snapshot from my like YouTube videos or from podcasts or something like that. They don't really, like they're not witnessing. Um, they're not witnessing the many, many wonderful things I do as a spouse. And also the many times I fail, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as that. So yeah, so yeah, we don't, we don't know. We can, uh, but it's fun to have this imagination. One other thing I meant to, um, I meant to cover. So let me. Oh, let me, yes, just uh, for a tiny second. There's um, a theology within Catholicism and uh, Orthodox, Orthodoxy within Christianity that Mary, and this, I forgot all about this until like an hour before we started recording and did a quick, quick little Google search to confirm. Um, Mary, there's a theology that she is assumed into heaven, bodily assumed. And so for Catholics, Ooh. the assumption, there's the feast of the assumption of Mary, that she is assumed into heaven, uh, body and soul before death, just wow. like Elijah and yeah. Enoch. Wow. First wow. Two. I know, right? Um, and then uh, there's, there, that's kind of one theory. And then another is that, um, that's the assumption. And then the other is the dormition of Mary that after she dies, her body is assumed into heaven. Mm. So either way she gets like taken up into heaven. And so again, this is not, you know, we don't have this written down in scripture, but it's a theology that's emerged. One of the amazing things that I found out when I was in Ephesus and going to her house was that when they were starting to rebuild like, or build the, the current chapel there that we were told by our um, Turkish guide that on August 15th, all of these locals came out, you know, very rural and the, like living on this mountain, they came out and they came to this place and there's a, well, there's a Holy spring that runs through it. And they came to this place and every, you know, the brothers who were there, the, the builders, whoever were like, what are you doing here? They were like, well, we're not exactly sure why, but this is the date where we always come to the shrine. And they, they had some kind of ritual that they did. And these were Muslims. I mean, these were Muslims living on this hillside. That's the date of the assumption of Mary, that the assumption of Mary is celebrated. Wow. So there's something really cool going on in Ephesus, right? Um, that, with that Mary energy. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, this is a little bit of a rabbit hole. Um, but we mentioned earlier how you know, Mary plays a big part in Catholicism. Le is it accurate to say less so in Protestantism? I mean, definitely. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, so I, mo many Protestants have, whether it's very unconscious, but there's kind of a... Um, an allergy to anything that might smack too much of Catholicism because of the great right. split that began in 1517. So anything to do with like Mary, um, for a lot of Protestants have anything to do with saints, anything to do with something that's over that in their minds is overly ritualistic is kind of taboo. And so it's really a, we're not Catholic. <laughs> hey, right. we're not Catholic kind of thing, even though that's like very unconscious these days right? To, to think about it that way. But there's a misunderstanding among Protestants that like when Catholics pray to Mary, that they're worshiping Mary. That's not true. Mm. That's not true. For all Christians, worship is reserved for God alone. For, right. for, for all Christians. And so a prayer to Mary is not worship of Mary. A prayer to an angel, a prayer to a saint is not worship of that being. Um, it's a devotion, right? So mm. it's asking a friend to help you out. Yes. Um, so me yeah. growing up Catholic school, Protestant church, um, in the middle of a fundamentalist culture, you know, I'm like, bring it all on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take all my friends. I'll take, I need I'll all, take all the help. I need all the help I can get. Right. Um, do any idea, either one of you, how Judaism handles Mary or is she ignored? <laughs> no special status. Yeah. I have no, yeah no special status, but she yeah. was, Ju I mean, she was Jewish, you know, she was right? Jewish. It's something important to honor. That's because Jesus gives no, gets no special status, no, I guess, right. in Judaism, yeah. right? So for, for both of you, what do you all think, or, or what are you, what's your reaction to this concept of Mary being the virgin and like overly pure and sort of desexualized? Mm. What's up with that? What do, you, what do you all think? For me, like, it's a pure heart, you know, mm. as far as the sexual aspect, I, I don't know, you know? So Katie, maybe you can add a little bit more to it. <laughs> Well, I'm like, I'm all, I'm into the, I'm into the pure heart. Like that, 
resonated. Um, so I'm glad you said that. Um, the whole Madonna whore thing, I'm just like over it as a as a woman, as an individual and in, in kind of culture. So I think that does such harm uh, to, to women, to men, to humans. I think it just does harm all around. Um, the the sort of virginity of Mary, um, I don't need it. I don't need it. I, you know, I know it's really important for some people, but associating virginity with some kind of purity, again, I think does harm, it just does harm in our culture, in our society. It's it kind of leans into this idea that a woman's like virginity is then tied to her purity and her honor, but that never actually belongs to her. Who does it always belong to? Some guy. Yeah. Some dad, some husband, like they're the ones who are offended in this season of outlander, which I'm a big fan of the show. Are you a fan, Andrea? Do you watch this? We're watching right now. My husband jokes. It's Scottish porn. Oh my gosh. It kind of is. (laughs) It kind of is. Every time I go to Ireland quite a lot. And every time we're around standing stones, Joe was like, are you going to be sucked back into time for a hot <laughs> like, Irish? I'm yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I love you, honey. But if I'm gone, I'll, <laughs> I'll make the best of it. But uh, with an outlander, there's a lot of sexual violence that happens in this. And in this one season, these men are making it all about them. Like their honor has been violated. So I think, though, that Mary, this Mother Mary energy can help us heal that. Like it's toxic to me. It's so toxic. Um, But Mary can, she can hold the space for a sacred celibacy when that's a choice, you know, when that's a really sacred choice and really important to someone. Um, She can hold the space for unintentional celibacy (laughs) when this happens in Mary's life, when it's not really desired. And, you know, she can hold the space for this like divine marriage or other sexual expression in my mind. So I don't, those are kind of my off the cuff thoughts about it. Um, I deal a lot with like sexuality in ancient text and the toxicity that I see so often when, um, when, especially when, you know, in fundamentalist Christian households and, and others too, when they're told don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex until you're married, then you can love it. And then they get married and that's really toxic. I mean, that doesn't, it, it doesn't happen like that. So I think Mother Mary's above all of that, but maybe she can help us with that healing. What about you, Andrea? What's your... I Yeah, I love you putting the word toxic to that because one of the things that strikes me that I don't like is that Mary, I feel like she's been pigeonholed. You know, her character, her being has been pigeonholed, you know? And if we compare what we did with Mary Magdalene last episode, which feels so multifaceted and complicated <laughs> and where Mother Mary is reduced to one singular role, that of a mother or that of a virgin or that of a thing. Like she's just totally reduced and stuck into this pigeon. And I think that's toxic. And that's exactly the opposite of my experience with her, which is depth, like endless depth, endless. So I think you articulated that really well, Katie, that she's just like that unconditional depth that she can hold space for all angles of however people need to wrap their head around her she's she could be all of that and bring it all together with non-judgment amy your head was like nodding so i'm like super curious now yeah no i completely agree with what andrea said like in so many ways there's an aspect that's come into my life as i totally see mother mary as a healer like so andrea you spoke earlier of the reiki like i very much feel like she knew like she had wisdom of these things that we now have access to as well, which I think is just so beautiful and those different perspectives of life. So seeing things from so many different angles, you know, I I agree a hundred percent. I'm going to raise something. Do you all feel like she is the divine feminine? An aspect of it. Very much so. Yes. An aspect. I like that. See more. (laughs) What's the aspect? What is an aspect? A role model of sorts. Mm. She shows up in the ways that she shows up or the things that have come into my life in connection with her anyway. That to me, absolutely. It's the embracing uh, of our womanhood from when our younger days of being, you know, a preteen, so to speak into of when we do hit that place in our our womanhood of being able to bear a child 
in a sense, you know, what that takes. There's a ceremonial aspect of what I feel they really honored life. So that divine feminine embracing that of us. And I think that could apply to men too. You know, it's like embracing the divine feminine in every human in yep. every human being. One thing I think is important and it's necessary because we are human and let's celebrate we're human is when you say something or when I hear something like the divine feminine or the divine masculine, it's, it's so intangible. And if we actually, I'm going to say this, anthropomorphize, <laughs> I hope I got that right. <laughs> if we actually anthropomorphize angels or mare, you know, we make right. them more human. We, uh, we give them a name, we give them two arms and two legs and we have stories around them. Mm. We can actually start to understand that intangible aspect of that energy that we're needing to call in. So I really like Amy, how you said she's an aspect of and, something greater perhaps. And I, it's my, my Catholic friends, colleagues are very comfortable with this part of the divine feminine. I, you know, they, they probably wouldn't word it just like that, but it's obviously very present. Um, and I think you said at the beginning, Andrea, like some people feel like Mary might even be easier to connect to than Jesus, than God, because she is so kind of present um, and, no, and known throughout these visions and statues and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But the, as I was saying earlier, the Protestants who have kind of like have the like, no, we're not Catholic, so we can't have Mary attitude. Fred worked really hard to reclaim the divine feminine, and it's a real struggle. So mm. I think there's a place for Mary for all of us um, to experience that the divine feminine, what you know, whatever we call it, however we experience it throughout um, all these stages of life. And I, I know I had someone ask me, you know, could Mary be a representation of maiden? maiden mother crone and Amy spoke into that mother piece, but you know, she was young when she had Jesus, like Mm. girls became betrothed at the age of like 12, 13, 14, really, really young. And then after Jesus death, when she's present, you know, with the disciples, we see maybe this crone aspect. And uh, was it you, Amy, that spoke into the crone as well? Mm -hmm. The wisdom? Yeah. Uh What would you two say to people who actually everything that just came out of our mouths Mm about the divine feminine might be the reason they're not connecting with her. And it's mm-hmm. almost like we, um, we talked about this offline yesterday. Like what if people are not feeling connected to what they might think is a cult of motherhood? Maybe I'm combining too many different thoughts there. <laughs> I would say, so for me, what comes up for me is if I'm resisting something is what is the why, what is the, the root of that aspect? What does that stem from? what might my beliefs be around divine feminine? What does that mean for me? So to really fill into the aspect. Yeah. And I'm a, as, as you two know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the cult of motherhood. That doesn't mean I'm not a fan of moms. Well, <laughs> or of, say, of, like being a, being a mother. What was that? Let's say what that is. What's, yeah. Cause that was just a, a phrase that I saw and I latched onto. Let's talk about what is okay. the cult of motherhood. And Andrea yeah, saw like, it on, she's on my safe list yeah. on Facebook. I was bitching about it. I was bitching about it because it's, we're recording this not too long after mother's day. So yeah, this kind of, I mean, it was kind of an impromptu cult of motherhood thing that I wrote, but this idea that like being a mother is the highest calling. Mm. And it may be the highest calling for an individual, but like when it becomes gen- generically applied to all women, right? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a cult. I mean, that's not literally a cult, but uh, that kind of has that cult mentality that um, it's, it's essentializing us, right? That like right. all women have to want this or desire this or be this in order to be whole or perfect or in order to learn. Um, and so that's just, I think that's toxic. That's really damaging. And but all these aspects we talked about, Mary, are so wonderful, right? Like Mary who receives divine, um, divine wisdom and words and, and becomes a mother and gets exasperated with, with her kid when he's running off and you know, trying to be too adult too soon. Um, and then this, like she travels and she gets a new, she gets new family. She gets John uh, as this new son of hers. But also this, uh, for me, one of the things I, I love about her is that she speaks the song about justice. Like she, she knows it's not just about her. She knows becoming the mother of Jesus is not just about her. It's about everyone that's going to be served by the Jesus message. 
And so in that, I think Mary can help us get away from the cult of motherhood, but by making her ever, ever divine, ever virgin, ever only depicting her as a mother, I think does harm. Yeah, agree. That's not all of who she is. How did we make the leap um, to her being a healer? Because all three of us independently, and, and just for our listeners, we don't talk ahead of time about what our experiences are with no. each of the, We each come to this not knowing what the other two are going to say about you know the energy but all of us had this profound healing and we mentioned last week and amy you just touched on it, so i want to go a little bit deeper that you know mary magdalene could have been a healer with traveling with jesus so did mary the mother mary um perhaps also uh learn these gifts of healing from her son because all of us are tapping into that aspect of or her. taught it to him. Right. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I very much it. feel, I feel that, that to be a possibility for sure. So what's come into my life <clears throat> in connection with her as a healer, there's uh, I remember union, a book that I was just reading this week for a Magdalene assignment. And some of what she shares in that definitely like here's a chakra showing up big time in my life right now. And like the reading of that and what she has to share and say in the book, I'm like, Oh my freaking goodness. (laughs) Mother Mary was like a healer. Like she knew of these energy centers in our bodies. Um, there's a, and even before that. So here I am reflecting Katie, you just shared of her being a young mom. I share that same story. Mm. I became a mom right out of high school. Like I was three months pregnant whenever I graduated. And so there's this experience of this unconditional love that I have with this child. And then there's all the other stuff too. of You know, when these children are like daredevils and they want to jump off a high dive, you know, <laughs> at a pool and they're five years old, like, there's so much that comes in that healing journey as a, as a human in our experiences too. So that's my share. Wonderful. Thank you for like sharing, yes, sharing that vulnerability. And um, it's also this just total reminder to me that we've, that teen moms are sacred. Mm. Young moms are sacred. And I think part of this healing energy with, with mother Mary is, um, to honor those experiences rather than continually stigmatize them. Right. And yeah, some of the work that my Jewish, um, Jewish feminist scholars have done and have illuminated for me is to get away from the toxic story that Christians tell that she would have been so shamed. She would have been so stigmatized. She would have been stoned for all this, you know, for becoming a young mom when they're like, no women come together. They would have brought her a casserole. <laughs> they, they would have helped her through it. Maybe the men would have been stigmatizing her, but like the women are going to come and be of service to her. So yeah, if we can shift the whole idea of stigmatizing anyone for being a young mom, for being an old mom, for not having, for not being a mom, for any of it, that's where this healing can emerge. It's part of the path. I want to share one piece with that. Um, for me, what I know now reflecting on that young motherhood was I don't know that I was ever taught how to fully love who I was. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe I was looking outside of myself for that. So regardless, like I wouldn't change a thing because I am who I am today because of all that. But just, just a reminder that self-love, how to love ourselves. It's been a big, huge part of me becoming who I am today in this healing path with that. Amy, how long have you been kind of connected, like really knowingly with, with mother Mary? Uh, you know, that's, um, nope. I really haven't until just this couple of days, like this week, (laughs) this week, Amy's the guinea pig for mother Mary this week. Um, but I like, you're able to weave your own story with, with her story. And that's so beautiful. That's what this is about. Absolutely. And even if there's nothing you can relate to with her story, there might be some aspect of yourself um, that relates to some aspect of her energy. 
So just be open. And I think now, unless you two have any further messages, we might head into our guided journey, meditative state. So I would invite everybody, again, no judgment. Let your imaginations run wild and just see what comes up for you during this very short guided journey. Write down maybe what happens afterwards. Of course, if you're driving, keep your eyes open and just listen to us. (laughs) Otherwise, maybe find a nice spot and uh, let Amy guide you. Before we begin that, Andrea, I just want to check in with you. Was there any other strong messages that came through you um, in connection with Mother Mary to share? I think it's just everything I said. (laughs) Whatever fell out of my mouth already. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, so I'm just gonna invite us to close our eyes and connect with your breath. Feeling the rise and the fall of your chest. Perhaps even placing your hand or hands upon your heart space for a moment. As you breathe in, imagine crystalline earth energy entering your body through your feet, filling your entire being with pure crystalline love. With your next breath, imagine sprinkles of divine light falling upon you, entering your body and washing away all that no longer serves you. With this perfect balance of divine light, in crystalline earth love, dancing throughout every cell of your being, you begin to notice a sweet voice calling your name. You become curious, who is calling for you? Who is this? And you begin to make your way towards the direction of this voice. As you near the voice, you see Mother Mary standing under a beautiful tree. She says to you, dear one, please come sit. She lays a cloth out to sit upon. Upon sitting, she places a wand in your hands and says, the power has come to you now and the power will go from you again. Know that the power is, and there is no time when the power is not. Remember this, and it will assure your place in the kingdom of heaven. She lays you down on the cloth, then gently places her hand upon the top of your head, saying, here's where God speaks to you. I call forth. Call them forth to sit upon your shoulder and guide you in the world. She then places her hand on your forehead and says, All things are visible to you here, seen and unseen. I call forth your vision to show you the way. At your throat, she says, Here is the place where you can speak the truth. I call you to speak from truth, live from truth, and act from truth always. She places her hands on your heart and says, never be afraid to love. The places of the body are for pleasure and nurturing for you and others. Men and women equally will love you, and you must live only with the moment, not with the rules designed to control your pleasure and your love. Live only from the truth of what is born from your knowing in each moment, and you will regret nothing, according joy in your life. Joy is felt when you are free to create in each moment the fullest choosing of that moment. Joy is the passageway to freedom and knowing. 
She then moves her hands to the bone in the middle of your chest between your ribs and says, here's the seed of light where the people will remember their path to truth and accord you your place in the design. Know they have the truth within them and that they will find it. See them always as if they are remembering it and know that what you do helps them such to do. She then places her hands on the lower part of your abdomen and says, here is where you will bring in and let out all ideas, thoughts, beliefs, experience of your entire lifetime. Remember that you were carried here once. This was your world before being born. Always affirm here that you are in balance from the night and the day and in harmony with the fluids of the universe. She then places her hands at your feet and says, here's where humans walk and angels dance and where the power of the earth is given through the understanding of the heavens. Always on your feet and the feet of those you love. For herein lies the divinity. She then places her right hand between your legs and her left hand on your heart. She says, Know that you are clear and pure and that the light of all the gods and goddesses flows from you. She then lifts you into a sitting position, holding your hands. She whispers to you a message to assist you in here and now with your life's journey. You give her gratitude for these messages, these gifts, this gift that she's given you. And it is now time for you to return to the place you were when you first heard her calling. As you integrate this experience, know that you can call upon her anytime you desire, anytime you need. Integrate this into every cell of your being. We invite you to notice the rise and fall of your breath and the sounds and smells of your environment. And when you are ready, please open your eyes. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Amy. I, the only thing is I kind of want to keep hanging out with Mary. I know, right? <laughs> I love, oh my gosh, the tangible like um, connection with the body was so sacred, like that incarnation. And it was, I've had a hard time this week actually like getting into my meditative state. And I feel like that's like one of the first times all week where I was able to really sink down. So, oh, thank you. I love yeah. the feet. And as a former yes. dancer, my feet are so important. And I love that you said that's the, the divinity, that meeting of the divine earth. And where angels dance. I just love that. That was really great. Thank you. Yeah. And, re and just this reminder of the sacredness of the body. Like Mary, Mary ever virgin. <laughs> right. It's in the clouds. Mm. But like mm -mm. Mary, Mary, the sacred being on earth. Right. Reminds us of our, the importance of our physical form in a, in a non-toxic, healthy way. <laughs> yeah. The body temple. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting that, you know, when she comes in for me in reading, she's coming in because someone is in a physical state of ailment, profound physical oh. ailment, and she's can heal or give support and encouragement with that. Well, so Andrea, I don't, I know you sometimes don't always remember all the, um, all the things that happen in your readings, but um, once a while back, you were I was I was a I was a practice subject for Andrea. <laughs> she was learning some new skills, but you were you were like Mary was coming through, like the the color blue hmm. was coming through, but it ended up being a Mary that I knew in real life. And when that Mary died, she was really sick. 
Yeah. She died of like an aggressive cancer. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, and all so was... like, yeah, so that healing. Yeah. Figuring all that, figuring all wow. that out. Yeah. So thank you, Amy, leading us to all that. I would tell everybody, um, don't like, don't wait. You don't need, well, if you need permission, we're giving it to you right now to reach out yes. to Mary, <laughs> but always ask her for help because her, you know, whenever you're feeling even a little overwhelmed or just you're wanting to reach out to a friend for help, like I bring her into every single Reiki session. I don't do mm. the Reiki. Yes. She works through me. And so that, you know, that first message that she gave me is, you know, step aside. She's got this. Mm. It's such that you can totally give, give up your problem, give up your struggle, whatever it is, and ask her for help. Listen to your body too. Like there, there's yeah. something there that, you know, fill into your body. If there's something going on, listen to your guidance and connect with her to assist you. And Amy spoke into the, in the meditation, uh, spoke into the um, voice mm. and the, that, and I was just like, oh, yeah, the blue is associated with throat chakra. Right. Ah. Yeah. And like Mary's ma- amazing song about justice. Like, right. it's, you know, there's something for everyone. Yes. For being the voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anything else, ladies? Otherwise, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, Everybody listen. You. you can find us on YouTube. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, please leave a review letting us know what you think. And where should people leave reviews, Katie? iTunes, 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 iTunes is helpful. <laughs> we appreciate it if you rate, leave a review on iTunes so that we can helps with all the um, all the very incarnated physical stuff of uh, bumping us up so that other people can hear these messages. Because ultimately, this is about the messages that these beings are here to give us to all help us on our journeys. We want everyone to receive those. Right. Thank you so much. We'll take your review anywhere, but we would love it on iTunes. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We look forward to hearing from you. Much love. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.